Welcome back to Podcast Royal and our last episode of 2023. Mm-hmm. What a year it has been, Rachel. That's You can say that twice, both in the royal stratosphere and just in life. So we are going to do our annual top 10 royal moments in this episode. And if you're new here, keep listening. We'll chat about that shortly. It's something we do at the end of every year. But first, I have to ask how you are, Rachel, and if you're done with all of your Christmas preparations. Well, I'm doing really well and I don't even feel like I've started my Christmas preparations. I mean, that's not really true. <laughs> I, you know, you and I were talking yesterday, Monday, and it doesn't feel like Christmas time. It just doesn't. And I, it snuck up on me as we record this, it's December 19th and that's less than a week away from the holiday. And I, I have started, I have some gifts, but I'm certainly not done. And I think you said the same thing, like there's more for you to do. Oh yeah. I am in the same boat. It totally snuck up on me. We have, I believe missed our window for shipping, unless you're going to pay expedited. (laughs) (laughs) If you're paying for expedited, you might can still get something here. Otherwise we're joining all the last minute shoppers in the stores, but I hope, I hope that this episode today will definitely make it feel like the Christmas season because we've got a lot of Christmas content. We to talk do about. have a lot of Christmas content. So if you're not in the spirit for whatever reason, maybe this will help push you there. Absolutely. So let's go ahead and get started because we thought this was going to be a short and sweet episode today. And as always, <laughs> last minute, we had a flood of new things come our way. So we, every time we're pull- like, this one's going to be a short one. It always ends up being a massively long one. So <laughs> I don't think we've had a, sh- we had that one short episode in October and that was it. Like other than that, it's just been gangbusters all year. All right. Well, let's start off with bit of British. So I wanted to squeeze in one more bit of British in this year's episode since it is the holiday season and the holidays are full of cultural traditions. And originally I thought about discussing Boxing Day and I mentioned that to you, Rachel, and then it dawned on me that I think we actually touched on this in an episode from years past. I don't remember if it was last year or before. So We may revisit this in the future, but I decided to take a little turn this time and thought we could talk about a yummy dessert rooted in British culture, and it's one that I have often eaten at Christmas with my family. So today we're going to talk about the classic English trifle, and before we jump in, Rachel, I want to know if you've ever had English trifle and if you like it. I don't think I have actually, which is embarrassing because I, I know what it is, but I can't recall ever having it myself. I was going to say, I think a lot of people would recognize it if they saw this, but if you are someone who has never had trifle, it's a layered dessert of cake that's usually soaked in alcohol, like sherry, and then it's got fruit, custard, and whipped cream on top, and it is traditionally served in a clear glass bowl with tall sides and it's got like a cake stand base and it is designed to sit up high on your table where you can see all of the pretty layers of the dessert. I can picture this in my mind, but I've never had it. Okay. Uh, It's so good. So like I said, I have typically had this at Christmas time and I thought this was really kind of interesting and funny. So the name trifle stems from the word truff, like truffle, 
which mm-hmm. means something of little importance. And I disagree. No truffle I've ever had has been of little importance to me. <laughs> <laughs> I can agree with you on that. So the the word meaning something of little importance is because traditionally this dessert was supposed to be something that's simple that you could kind of throw together last minute. So people would use a leftover cake that was about to go bad, like maybe it was a little bit stale, and they would mm-hmm. soften it with alcohol. And then they would layer it in a bowl with, you know, some fruit and custard. And I thought it was funny because the reality to me of today's trifle is quite a lengthy and involved process. If you make it from scratch, you know, there are so many components from the cake to the custard. And so to me, I feel like that's probably why we only have it around the holidays because it is kind of time consuming to put together. I always did wonder the difference between a truffle and a trifle. And now I know. So thank you for that. (laughs) If nothing else, listeners, you've learned that today. Exactly. So trifle originated in Britain in the 1700s and it's transformed through the years. You know, it's something now that you can really adapt into a variety of flavors with different cakes and fruits. So traditionally you would use like a sponge cake or lady fingers and you would soak them in a sherry and you'd layer them um, in with your fruit. But you could also use like a chocolate cake or or a brownie if you wanted a chocolate trifle. Um, For the fruit layer, you could do freshly sliced fruit or you could do more of a sweetened fruit or maybe even have a jam layer in there. Mm. And then for custard, I prefer the traditional vanilla custard or vanilla pudding. But again, you know, if you like chocolate, you could do a chocolate pudding as well. So you layer that in there. You've got your cake, your fruit, your custard all in the dish and you want to put it in there where it looks light and fluffy and you can see it, um, you know, when you look through the glass bowl and then you do a top layer of whipped cream. And if you want to get really fancy, you can decorate it with some cherries around the top or you could put some chocolate shavings and there you have it, your Christmas trifle. This is why, okay, you and I were just talking offline about why I don't watch the Great British Baking Show. (laughs) This is why, because I'm not even seeing it and I'm getting hungry based (laughs) off of what you're talking about. This is why I don't watch Top Chef. This is why I don't watch food shows because I don't want to, like, I want, I want this so bad. Like, I'm like, where can I find a trifle? Like that sounds amazing. I mean, you, you could definitely make a simplified version of this without going homemade all the way, but um, there are a lot of recipes out there online. I'm not going to share a specific one today. And, and listeners, I think you still have plenty of time to go find one if you do want to serve it alongside your Christmas dinner. And I actually, Rachel, I'm thinking about making one this year. And I want to do a different spin. So normally I kind of do the traditional flavors, but I am thinking about making a gingerbread trifle. Oh, that would be great. That sounds so. So good. I have you got. I found a conversation before I like my stomach just starts growling on the mic for the whole rest <laughs> of the episode. That sounds so good. Well, I found a recipe for a gingerbread cake and I'm going to do vanilla pudding. And then I was thinking about doing a layer of baked cinnamon apples. Oh, yeah. Um, So I'm super excited to try that. Hopefully I've ordered some ingredients on Amazon that I'm hoping arrive. You know, of course it'll be a gluten-free version, uh, which Mm -hmm. I think will still be really good, but um, hoping everything arrives on time. And if so, if it turns out, uh, maybe I'll get a picture and I can share it. Yeah. Put it on Instagram for sure. 
totally. So I hope everybody enjoyed that. And let's go ahead and get into the Royal Rundown. Yeah, it's quite a Royal Rundown. And we've also got quite a bit of Royals around the world too. So let's start here. So really quickly at the top, we know obviously that season six, part two of The Crown came out on Netflix. It's our last episode. I have watched. Have you watched? I I really, really, really want to see it. And I have heard bits and pieces of it. But as you said, things have been so busy. I hope to watch it sometime next week when I'm on vacation. Well, that's exactly why we're going to give listeners a bit more time to binge the show over the holiday. We will briefly chat about it in two weeks when we return from break. If you haven't picked up on this already, we are. this is our last episode of the year. We will not have an episode next week because it is the week of Christmas. So this, of course, is the end of the end for The Crown. It's over. It is over, which has been running for seven years since 2016. I will really miss this show. It's a beautiful show. It's beautifully written, beautifully shot, and I won't say anything about season six part two we'll we'll save that for two weeks but expect that listeners in the new year yeah definitely I'm excited to talk about that yes it's 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 good it's really good or I'm actually I'm just going to stop talking we'll just talk about (laughs) it in two weeks so anyway moving on Really quickly, I want to do a little update on a recent engagement Prince William had. So last Thursday, William visited the Royal Navy Training College in Dartmouth, Devon, to see the latest cadets graduate, or as they refer to it, pass out, which we were just chatting about, (laughs) Rachel. Yes, that does not mean fainting. That just means they're passing out, like they're not failing, they're passing out of the training college. Exactly. And he represented King Charles at the ceremony at the Britannia Royal Navy College. And after the ceremony, he met with the cadets and instructors. And this also happens to be the place where then Princess Elizabeth locked eyes with Prince Philip. And of course, as we know, she never had eyes for anyone else after. So there's a little romantic touch to that story. Yeah, she was young too. She was like 13 years old. So love wow. that. Well, let's jump to Prince Harry. So we have some updates in legal matters regarding Prince Harry. Plus we have the Sussex Christmas card. So on Friday, it was announced that Harry had won his phone hacking lawsuit case against Mirror Group newspapers. He was awarded over 140,000 pounds, which converts to $180,000. So of this win, Harry himself said today is a great day for truth as well as accountability. I've been told that slaying dragons will get you burned. This is a very interesting statement. You don't often hear the phrase slaying dragons in a statement, but Mm. he said, I've been told that slaying dragons will get you burned, but in light of today's victory and the importance of doing what is needed for a free and honest press, it's a worthwhile price to pay. The mission continues. So Harry was not in court for the ruling because of the short notice given. His lawyer said, of course, he's in California and this was happening in London, but he is believed to have watched via a video feed. So congratulations to Harry. And also Harry and Meghan released their Christmas card since our last episode. It is a photo from the closing ceremony of the Invictus Games back in September. Megan's dress is that teal dress. It's gorgeous. And the card Mm -hmm. says, we wish you a very happy holiday season. Thanks for all the support in 2023. So it's a little bit more on the professional side. The kids, Archie and Lily, are not in it as they have been in years past, which I know people are grumbling about online. But 
you know what, I can't really blame them for not having the kids in there this year. And I should mention that the card was released in support of their work with Archwell. The card also links to the Archwell Foundation's annual impact report, including a video highlighting the past year with the organization. So if you just got a, like a still photo of the Christmas card, you see like a play button in the middle of it. And that's kind of probably confusing if you don't realize. Oh, really? Yeah. So if you don't realize that, that, that it actually like is a, is a video. And so you click on, if you were sent the Christmas card, which, you know, I was not, I was left off the list this year, I guess they just <laughs> oversight, but um, you can click on it and it plays a video that I have not seen. I, I am not privy to said video, but yes. So, and we'll talk in just a minute that we also have another um, section of the Royal family that has released their Christmas card, but we'll get there in a bit. Yeah, we do. And I'll comment on on this Christmas card really quickly. I agree with you. I think if this is a more professional card and it's related to the Archwell Foundation, it does make sense to me that, um, you know, they, they maybe chose not to include the kids. Yeah. I mean, if it, it really is not so much from Harry and Megan, the people, but it's from the organization of Archwell. So that does make sense why the kids aren't there. Exactly. Although I do well, want to see what they look like this year. So maybe next year. <laughs> Speaking of Christmas, Rachel, do you remember when the Prince and Princess of Wales shared baby photos of themselves? I'm trying to remember if it was last year or the year before, and it was part of Shaping Us, and then you and I actually shared our baby oh, pic yeah. on Instagram. Do you remember that? that? Had to, yeah, that had to be in January because that's when Shaping Us launched, so it had to be at the top of this year. Okay, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it was part of their social media campaign. They were trying to bring awareness to the cause. Yeah. Well. They are at it again. So they are sharing photos again this year. And we got one of Catherine from 1983. And she was sitting at a table during Christmas. You could see garland and lights in the background. And there was a centerpiece on the table with candles and gold angels. And in the photos, she's kind of looking away from the camera like something has her attention and I thought it was a really sweet, candid moment from her childhood. So as a reminder, she was two years old in 1983. I know you saw that photo. I did. Yeah. And I know what you're about to say. So go ahead and say it before I do. Okay. Yeah. So like somebody. Oh, you go ahead. Say it. She looks just like Louie. Don't you think? <laughs> you know, I saw some people mentioning that online and I, I mean, I'll admit I, that, that wasn't my first reaction to the really? photo. I think uh -huh. she looks just, and, and she said that herself. She said the only one of the kids that looks like me is Louie. And I think that she very much looks like him or he, I'd rather he very much looks like her in that photo. <laughs> I wonder if they had the same personality when they were kids. Oh God, God help <laughs> Carol and Michael Middleton. If that's the case, I, I doubt that highly. I, I Kate is an oldest child. I, I don't see her acting a fool like Louie is prone to do sometimes. <laughs> so the image was captioned saying the photo serves as a reminder of the importance of the early years and the role played by those around us in shaping the rest of our lives. And of course, it did include a reminder to watch the Together at Christmas Carol service on Christmas Eve, and that will be at 745 local time on ITV. So there's your reminder from us and we will be tuning in for sure. Oh, definitely. That's like, like I said, I think it was last episode. That's become a Christmas tradition for me. Yeah, me too. 
while we are on the Waleses, Prince William actually traveled to Kuwait this week, and he went there to pay his condolences following the death of the ruling Amir of Kuwait, Sheikh Nawaf. He was 86 years old, and he actually has a half-brother, Sheikh Michel, who is 83 and has been the world's oldest crown prince up until now. So according to an article I read on the Associated Press, um, Sheikh Michel was named Amir on Saturday afternoon following his half-brother's death, and Prince William actually traveled to Kuwait on behalf of King Charles, and he was joined by Foreign Secretary David Cameron. And the British Prime Minister Rishi Sunak released a statement, and I'm not going to read the whole statement, but he he did in his statement. He said, His Highness was a great friend of the UK, and we will remember fondly all he did for our bilateral relationship. I just so. feel so strongly for families that lose someone around the holidays because we lost my grandfather on December 12th. 2007 mm. and it's just a really tough time I mean it's always a tough time to lose someone but especially now so yeah. sending sending love and uh total right turn as we are so prone to do so one of the most fascinating and compelling news items since our last episode is that Camilla is launching a podcast she's joining the podcasting space you know I'll be subscribing to this not just because it's Camilla but I love the subject matter too. So it looks like we are going to have a new podcaster on the block and in the Royal family. And that would be Queen Camilla. So she is launching the Queen's Reading Room podcast on January 8th. It is not lost at all on me that that day happens to be the fourth anniversary of Harry and Meghan's step back as working members of the Royal family. There is no way that they do not know that. And I don't know what that means or what they're trying to say, but that's not a coincidence. They could have done it literally any other day. So take that with a grain of salt and take it how you will. So Camilla is going to co-host the show alongside the CEO of her charity, The Reading Room. We, I think she founded The Reading Room in 2021. So it's been around for a few years. Mm -hmm. Anyway, the CEO's name is Vicki Perrin. She has guests like Ann Patchett, Sir Ian Rankin, and Dame Joanna Lumley, who are confirmed for the show. And according to Vicki Perrin, the Queen's Reading Room will invite listeners inside the reading rooms. I want a reading room. Can I have a reading room? I need a reading room. <laughs> anyway, um, reading rooms of authors and celebrities to hear about their own journeys through the world of books. And will feature recommendations from Camilla herself, who is an avid reader. So, of course, as a royal family fan, and I am a voracious reader. I will definitely be tuning in. So January 8th, I'll be there. So Camilla, of course, is certainly not the first podcaster in the royal family. Of course, Megan had archetypes. Eugenie still has floodlight. Floodlight, excuse me, I can't speak. Mike Tyndall has the good, the bad, and the rugby. And I really hope there is a second season of Sarah Ferguson's Tea Talks, which I just became so enamored with after you introduced me to it. So, okay, what do you think of this news? Camilla is a podcaster. Yeah, that is really exciting news. And I'm sitting here thinking, are they trying to cover our jobs? <laughs> Probably, but it's, you know, they're in a different lane. They're actually, I have a second podcast about books. And so that's more of a, this Camille's podcast right. is more of a competition for that podcast than, than this one randomly, but well, um, go ahead. I, I think it's, it's really fun news. Now I will say I, um, and probably not as book obsessed as you. I'm not, I'm not. A I don't think many bookworm. people are. I'm, I'm a wildly obsessed reader. But I do love podcasts. 
So I will definitely check it out. Um, You know, I also really loved Fergie's first season of Mm -hmm. T-Talks. That was a great one. And I've liked listening in on on the other ones where Royals have, you know, come and talked and made a little appearance. So I'll definitely check this one out. Well, here's the thing about Camilla is that first of all, we really don't hear a ton from her, right? She's, she's definitely a secondary character in Charles's reign. She just is. And she's, and I think she's content to be so, mm-hmm. but everything I've ever heard about her is that she has the best personality. She's so fun. She's so fun to be around. And so I'm, I'm honestly looking forward to getting a taste of her personality more. And I can't, I can't wait. I'm looking, I'm looking very forward to this. So something that popped up since our last episode that I quite honestly was not expecting is Eaton, Eaton College might be out of the running. So George might be headed to Marlboro, which is like, for whatever reason, it's the hardest word for me to say. So I had trouble when I was a kid saying my R's, which is really tragic when your name is Rachel Birchfield. I used to say Rachel, Bur- I think I've said this on the show, Rachel <laughs> Birchfield, which is really embarrassing. So Marlboro, for whatever reason, those R's trip me up. But anyway, so of course we know listeners that over the summer, William, Kate, and George visited Eaton College, which is the all boys boarding school where both William and Harry attended. Um, also Charles Spencer went there and it, it's a very prestigious all boys prep school so then in October Kate went to her own alma mater which is Marlboro College and she went there solo back in October but on December 1st William Kate and George all went together so this of course has sent tongues wagging that George might actually be going to Marlboro over Eaton specifically for the reason that it is co-ed and that would mean that both Charlotte and Louis could join him there in the future if he chose Eaton of course Charlotte would not be able to attend with him because it's all boys also Eaton is I believe and there's like a one percent chance that I don't have this right but I'm almost totally positive that Eaton is boarding only and Marlboro has to have day pupils because Kate never I don't think Kate boarded there so um, that that also Kate has said in no uncertain terms that she doesn't want her kids to board because, and and I don't, I mean, I, I say, I don't know many moms that would, who knows, but I don't think that she wants her kids to go to boarding school. I think she would prefer them to be day people. So no firm decision is made. Although Marlboro really does look like it is the front runner. It seems that Kate is really strongly pushing for Marlboro, which is going to be like the hardest word for me to say, like (laughs) you guys have to choose Eden. I'm just kidding. Cause I can barely say Marlboro, but anyway, She's pushing for it less because it's her alma mater, although she did have a really good experience there, but more because she wants all three of the kids to be able to stick together like they are now at Lambrook. So this was kind of unexpected. So what do you think? Well, I think, I mean, we, I recall we talked about this a while back and I think it makes complete sense. And my prediction is that is where he'll go. I think. Catherine also, you know, I think she wants her kids to have more of a normal education experience, like non-royal kids, how she grew up, you know, like you said, go to school during the day, you can still come home and be with your family in the evening. And I think she had a great experience going to school there. And didn't Princess Eugenie go to school there as well? Yep, she sure did. So I don't think it's, I don't think it's a crazy idea to think that, you know, George, Charlotte and Louis will go there. And and if I had to make a prediction, I, I do, I think that's that's what it'll be. I think so too. I think that, you know, I mean, so of course, George 
is at Lambrook until he's 13, which is not for another three years that he's, he just turned 10, of course, over the summer. And so this isn't going to happen until 2026, but the decision will be made long before that. In fact, I kind of think it already is made, but we just don't know it for sure yet. But I think the fact that all three of them were there together, I think it's I think it's looking like Marlboro. So we'll see what happens. Maybe by 2026, I'll learn how to say that word. So just practice wish, every day. Wish me luck. Wish me luck, everybody. <laughs> okay, this this news item, all of these things of Diana's that continue to sell for like obscenely high prices, especially this look. Because my God, like scroll down in the Google Doc, Jessica. Look at this. Yeah. This, this thing. <laughs> this is like, classic 80s. My God. Like if you want to like like point to 1980s fashion, just send the world to this photo of Princess Diana in this Jacques as a gourd. Hold on. Let me I'm getting ahead of myself. So let's back up. So a dress of Princess Diana's sold at auction for 1.1 million dollars. Now look, if this dress were now I'm not going to knock this designer. His name is Jacques Azaguri. Some of his pieces from like the the late 90s like right before Diana passed away are gorgeous. I mean, I didn't put all the photos in here, but you listeners would certainly rec I think they're called the Famous 5. You would recognize these dresses. There's a blue one, there's a red one and they're beautiful. There's a black one. This dress is not. <laughs> this is not a beautiful <laughs> dress. Like it's just not. I mean, it's of the times and I know that I and I am a child of the 80s. I was born in 1986. I get it. It was a moment in fashion that was a bit tragic. I had four years in the decade. I was on the tragic train. Don't worry. But oh my God. Like, well, let me let me <laughs> describe this for listeners. So the top portion is black and it's got the classic big puffy shoulder pads, long sleeves, and then it goes down into a very dramatic dropped waist with sort of a little ribbon band almost kind of looks like it's around her thighs. It's so dropped. It's pretty, and then it's pretty it dropped. Yeah. The the bottom half is like, it, it's a purple skirt. Well, <laughs> so let me, let me color. explain it in, uh, in the way that the auction house described it, but hold on. I'm still, <laughs> I'm still getting ahead of myself. So anyway, the $1.1 million was 11 times, 11 times the asking price. It was originally valued at $100,000, which in and of itself is insane. $100,000 for a dress in this dress. I'm sorry. I'm not knocking the designer. The designer is very talented. His other pieces are beautiful. This is a piece of the times and it, it's just not, it's just not, we'll just say this. It's just not my aesthetic. Okay. So Again, the dress is by Jacques Azaguri. It was originally worn by Diana in April 1985 when she was with Charles on a visit to Florence, Italy. And then she wore it again in 1986 to the Vancouver Symphony Orchestra. Again, as I just said, the original estimate for the dress was $100,000 and the winning bidder is unknown. He or she paid $1,148,080. That's just makes me sick like I could think of so many places and so many more you know I guess modern dresses than this but anyway the sale is record-breaking it shatters the record for the most expensive dress worn by Diana to be auctioned that previous record was set actually earlier this year when a purple Victor Edelstein evening dress sold for $604,800 which I thought was wildly high at the time and now we've 
basically doubled that. So, okay, here's the fashion-y description of this look. And we will have to put a picture on Instagram because it just has to kind of be seen to be believed. But the dress has, as Jessica said, padded shoulder pads, a black velvet bodice with embroidered stars and metallic thread made from Jacob Schlafer fabric. Okay, I don't know what that is, but with a two-tier royal blue organza skirt with a sash and bow, and it is very dropped, as you said. And as I said, here is in all its glory. So Jessica, I have to know, would you pay $1.1 million for that? I wouldn't pay $1 for that. That is, I'm sorry. That is just not, that's wild. Well, as we've said on the podcast before, I I know. <laughs> I mean, I, I, there aren't many. The short answer is no. I, I, there aren't many pieces of clothing that I would spend a crazy amount on, even if, you know, I had the million dollars to do it. I, um, it's, that's just not, especially not, not this dress. Um, she has had some pretty dresses in the past that I could definitely understand why someone would want to, to own, but yeah, this one is not my favorite. I agree with you. If it were the wedding dress. Okay. I get that. If it were worn to something incredibly special and monumental, I get that. This was worn to a visit to Florence or it was worn to the Vancouver Ballet. You know, it's not it's not even a like a historic milestone. It's just an it's just a no from me. That's that's Mm -hmm. that on that. So my I can think of um, truly no pun intended, a million different ways that that money could be spent. But. I digress. So, okay. We mentioned a minute ago that we have another Christmas card to talk about. And this is the first time I've said this. It's the Edinburgh family Christmas card, not the Wessex family Christmas card. So from the Edinburgh side of the house, happy birthday, first of all, on December 17th to James Earl of Wessex, which is also different because he was of course, James Viscount Severn. That is the son of the Duke and Duchess of Edinburgh, who of course are Prince Edward and Duchess Sophie. And James is 16. So sweet 16. And I can't believe that. I feel like he should be 10. I know he's still, he I'm just be 10 in my mind and Louise too, but Louise is 20 now. So, um, they're growing up. So the Edinburgh's also released their Christmas card with the message, wishing you a Merry Christmas and a happy new year from Edward, Sophie, Louise, and James. And the card apparently features a number of photos of Edward and Sophie Louise and James photos are not included kind of like Harry and Megan didn't include Archie and Lily this year we don't have a photo or at least I haven't found one yet a photo of the actual Christmas card but we I did read an article where someone was describing the card so love seeing the Christmas cards come out although I guess I haven't seen theirs but um, I I did see it actually you did um, where did you find it I think I saw it on Instagram somewhere okay. I'll, have to I'll have to do a little bit more digging Unless I'm thinking of something else, but I'm pretty sure I saw it because I saw several of the photos. Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. If I find it, I'll share it. Yeah, please do. And okay. Last item for me, and I know you have one more to round out the Royal Rundown is Kate is, was on the show, the BBC two show secrets of the aquarium. So from her visit on the set of strictly come dancing to the BBC two docuseries secrets of the aquarium, Kate is all over our TV shows right now. So she appeared on an episode that aired on Tuesday, which is the day we're recording, but the day before the episode comes out and she filmed that at the national Marine aquarium in Plymouth. So her visit actually brought attention to the importance of seagrass encountering damaging changes to our climate. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. 
Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, wrapping up the Royal Rundown, we had a Middleton family sighting recently. On December 7th, James Middleton and his wife, Alize, and their newborn son, Inigo, attended the Dogs Trust Carol concert at Chelsea Old Church in London with their two dogs, Mabel and Isla. It's actually two of six dogs that they own. And James read the poem, What I Learned About Love I Learned From My Dog. This is Mm -hmm. so sweet. So James has long supported the charity, which is dedicated to the welfare of dogs. And he has previously visited Dogs Trust rehoming centers across the UK. And interestingly, the next night, was his sister Catherine's together at Christmas Carol concert at Westminster Abbey. And James and his family weren't there. So maybe two nights out in a row might have been too much with a newborn. You know, we have seen pictures of Carol and Michael Middleton there. So mm-hmm. I'm thinking Hippo maybe, there. yeah, I'm thinking maybe James and Alize stayed home with the baby. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes, but the commitment to dogs continues and we love it. We love we it. We love a fellow dog lover. We do. Okay. So we actually have a listener Q and a today, which is exciting because we don't always. So we got an interesting question. Actually, it was a while ago and I apologize to this listener that it's been a minute, but we just have had so much else on the docket that we haven't had the chance to get to the question, but the question is more or less asking if any other Royal families around the world have anything comparable to the Royal Rota that the British Royal family has. So first I think we should define the Royal Rota for those who may not know. So the Royal Rota is a press pool that is made up of a select group of outlets that are invited to attend and report on Royal events with the understanding that the news and photographs taken at the event will be freely shared with other members of the media. So for example, I'm obviously not in the Royal Rota, but when I uh, covered William and Kate's visit to Boston about a year ago. Each of us correspondents got an assignment and reported on it and then disseminated our report to the rest of the pool. So my assignment was to be with Kate at Harvard. So I was there. I was the only print journalist there. And then I wrote up the report and disseminated it to my fellow correspondents. And the rule is, is that you don't keep anything back just for your outlet. You really share everything. And people do that. And and it actually is really cool. It's a really cool way to report and one that I had never done before and have not done since and might not ever do again, unless I cover William and Kate on a visit. So it was definitely a new experience for me, but the reason for doing this is to alleviate space and security concerns. So the Rota includes the Wire Picture Agency, the Council of Photographic News Agencies Limited, Independent Photographers Association, and UK TV networks like BBC, Sky News, and ITN. So core members of the print media include the Daily Express, the Daily Mail, the Mirror, the Evening Standard, the Telegraph, the Times, and the Sun. And 
if you've heard of Royal Rota, it's probably because Harry and Meghan vociferously spoke out against them. They refused to kind of play their game. And it is, it is a bit, it's complicated for sure. But the Royal Rota is something that is unique to the British royal family. I did look up how many other, or how rather other monarchies interface with the media in their respective countries. And I'm not going to go through all of the monarchies around the world because that would take forever, but I do want to give you a sample platter. So this also seems like a good week to have this conversation. I did not plan it this way, but based off of Harry's win in court, I feel like it's an appropriate time to talk about this. So maybe the most fascinating piece of research I found on how media interfaces with royal families in different countries was from the Netherlands, who instituted a media code back in 2005, which I believe is the year that Catherine Amalia was born or pretty close to it. Um, or yeah, well, I don't know. I can't do math off the top of my head. But anyway, in 2005, to protect the privacy of the royal house, while also satisfying media demand for images of members of the royal house in a personal setting. So really this media code exists in the Netherlands for the kids of the family so that they can enjoy a relatively undisturbed childhood. And also so members of the royal family can act freely in private settings. So the media code makes sure to mention that this has nothing to do with restricting the freedom of the press, but it is a kind of quid pro quo system. So the media code reads verbatim, media outlets that respect the privacy of the members of the royal house are invited to participate in media opportunities on what would otherwise be private occasions, such as family holidays. If a news outlet has infringed on the privacy of members of the royal house, it may be denied access to future media opportunities so basically do what we want or you're cut out so what it what it boils down to is the media is invited to like select private behind the curtain if you will family gatherings like maybe like a christmas party with the family or whatever and they're in that controlled setting they're allowed to take photos and and whatever video whatever but the exchange for that is that when you are not in the controlled setting, so like when they're just out and about living their lives, you don't infringe on that or you're going to get cut out of the media code or whatever it is. So I found that really interesting. And you and you can jump in yeah. with thoughts if you have any as we go. Yeah, no, that that is interesting. I'm, I'm curious to hear about how these rules differ between different royal families. Yeah. Well, then we've got the Swedish royal family who we talk about on the show all the time. They have a very friendly and open relationship with their country's media based off of the research that I found. They regularly release photos. We see them. I mean, we see them on social media. Madeline in particular is very active on social media. They have an active social media presence and they provide all the materials needed to make it easy for the press to cover them, like photos of royal engagements, details, so forth. And if you contact the Swedish Royals press department, they always respond, which I can actually attest to because I tried to interview Princess Madeline once and they said no, but they did get back to me. They did, <laughs> they did respond to me. So there's that. And the in the same article that I read about the Swedish Royal family, the opposite is true for the Danish Royal family. So the article said that the Danish Royal family's press office is slow to respond if they even respond to you at all. And they also said that it takes sometimes a day or more after a Royal engagement happens for the website to be updated with photos and information about the Royal engagement. And that they were also slow to join social media years after many of their European Royal family counterparts did. Also their monarch has been on the throne for over 50 years. So maybe that's not a priority to Queen Margaret. Well, I don't know. 
That's interesting because I've got something that I'm going to talk about later that actually um, kind of shows them really being in social media quite a bit. But but again, it is kind of a controlled situation. So yeah, and maybe and maybe things are changing, right? We're going to talk about the Japanese royal family in a second. That's that just this year in 2023, they're just now considering getting on social media. It's 2023, but anyway, <laughs> so the same site also called out Monaco's Royal family for posting updates about Royal engagements late. And it also called out that their website doesn't contain a press section or a press contacts. So if you're in the media, you don't really know where to go unless you know. So it's kind of hard to break in and that Monaco's Royal family does not apparently provide a court circular equivalent or a Royal diary equivalent like the British Royal family does. And we've talked in the past on the show about the Royal media center and all of that stuff. So I won't go over that again, but the Spanish Royal family is, we didn't talk about this last week. Cause it's one of those stories that I just like, I just, I don't like it. And it's like a Rose Hanbury type story, the Spanish Royal family. And so I didn't want to mention it, but I'm going to hear just for posterity. So the Spanish Royal family is going through a bit of a low moment with the media and their country at the, at, at this time, it's actually regarding queen Letizia. The Spanish monarchy is generally very open with the press. Their social media is very active. They're quick to respond and open to the media, but um, how shall we say? If you know, you know about what's going on with Letizia. If you don't, then just Google it. You can figure it out. But there's there's a bit of a alleged scandal happening with her. So they have probably pulled back a little bit. But normally, <clears throat> excuse me, normally they are very, um, very open with the media. And that, so as I mentioned a minute ago, the Japanese royal family is only within the last year considering social media and is very reticent to open up about members of its imperial family. So that said, the family was expected to launch a public relations arm this year. So this is clearly something that is becoming of more importance to them. And finally, Jordan's royal family has a, I find this very fascinating too, has a pretty significant stronghold of control over the media in their country. In 2021, there was actually a ban put in place against covering a dispute within the Jordanian royal family. Can you imagine hmm. a ban being placed on covering a feud in the British royal family? <laughs> what would we What would we do with our lives? What would we talk about? Um, that, that would never happen in the British royal family. So Jordan, according to CNN, even banned social media chatter about the royal family. I should say negative social media chatter about the royal family. So again, can you imagine my my goodness, but what a, what a different world we would live in. So in short to our listener who asked the question, thank you for the question. At least from what I could find, the royal road of the UK is fairly unique on into itself. And some countries have better relationships with the media, some countries maybe it needs a little bit of improvement, but each country, each royal family, each monarchy really handles it unique to itself. Well, thank you, Rachel, for sharing that. It is super interesting to think about the relationship that the royal family has with the press and even how that differs from country to country. So really mm -hmm. interesting, especially hearing about some of those that we don't talk about regularly, like the Japanese royal family. Yes. And that's why we're here to give you the royals around the world content that all of you listeners deserve. And speaking of, we actually have kind of a stacked royals around the world segment today. So why don't you kick us off? 
Yeah, we do. So I mentioned last week that Prince Spare Magnets of Norway turned 18, and we were really short on time last week, so we didn't get to discuss his super fun video that was posted on social media, and I want to share details about that today. Did you see the video, Rachel, on social I media? I did not. I did not. I, I heard about it. I think maybe it was from you, actually, but I have not seen it. It was really cute. I thought it was a sweet moment between him and his older sister, Princess Ingrid Alexandra, who is 22. So as part of his birthday celebration, Princess Ingrid Alexandra did a short video where she interviewed the prince and she asked him a few questions to help the audience get to know him a little bit better. And I thought you could really tell that the two siblings were close the way they interacted and kind of joked with each other. And it was also a really fun, creative way for royals to put content out there to the public. So great job to Norway for this. And side note, I feel like we've got a lot this episode where we're talking about videos that uh, the royals are putting out there. So mm-hmm. if you didn't see the video and you want to know a little bit more about the prince, he reveals that his favorite animal is a dog. The oh, family actually- already. Yeah, the family actually has a pet Labradoodle. I think they got it a couple of years ago. And he also revealed his favorite movie is The Shawshank Redemption. That's a pretty mature movie for an 18-year-old, so I'm impressed. (laughs) Well, his favorite TV show is Brooklyn Nine-Nine. No, he's probably mourning the loss like we all are of Andre Brower, who just died. Anyway, that's another podcast. But anyway, go on. So his hobbies are playing Minecraft and skiing and his bucket list item that he had already planned out to do when they made the video was to do a parachute jump. So interesting. Um, I guess he's got a outdoorsy daring side to him. Yeah. And then finally, when his sister asked him what type of car he wanted, he couldn't really give a definite answer. He said he didn't know. And I couldn't help but wonder if that's because they probably have a driver to take them places anyway. That sounds like a Prince William dodged the question having to do with money. <laughs> I don't yeah. know is the answer to all money questions when you're royal. Right. I don't know. Or luxury questions like cars. Yeah, exactly. But he did sound like a pretty typical 18-year-old. And a quick note about Sphere Magnus. So he is third in line to the throne. And currently, he's not expected to take on a role as a working royal with official duties. Um, But it's still fun to see him interact with his sister and to hear more about members of that family. Absolutely. Well, there there they go, proving what I just said wrong. So good for them. It's always up for improvement. And now you've got the younger generation in there to keep them really relevant on social media. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's talk about the Monaco Royal family for a second. We have had an abundance of Royal Christmas cards released these past few days. I mean, from the Waleses to the Edinburgh's to King Charles, and of course our Royals around the world. So I have seen cards from Belgium, Sweden, Mm -hmm. Greece, and Norway, So there was one that stuck out as my personal favorite, and it is the Royal Family of Monaco's card. And I don't know if listeners have seen this, but we definitely need to share this one on our Instagram page. So Prince Albert, Princess Charlene, Prince Jacques, and Princess Gabriella of Monaco released their Christmas card photo. And I think I like it so much because it is really glamorous. So Charlene is in a full-length, kind of a goldish tone brown velvet ball gown. 
They are all dressed up. We've got both Albert and Jacques in a tux with a bow tie. And then inside the card, it reads, may this holiday season bring all the happiness for you and your loved ones. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year 2024. And this is quite the contrast from the black and white casual photos that the whales just released. And I know... I know everybody remembers that one. They have the white shirts and the denim. We talked about that last episode. But Rachel, I want to know, do you think Royals should do more formal cards like this? Or do you like the more casual cards? You know, I like, me personally, I like the more formal cards because they are royalty. And, you know, we want our royalty to be royalty. However, I also understand that the UK is in a major cost of living crisis. And maybe the tone is wrong to dress as the Montagas royal family is dressed here. I mean, that that might send the wrong message. So I think kind of it has to be on a case-by-case basis, but I do appreciate, you know, a good tux, a good ball gown with the beautiful Christmas tree behind them. I, I love this Christmas card. It's, it's, a, it's quite a contrast from the Waleses, but, you know, it takes all kinds, I guess. Yeah, you know, I think what I have decided is I like the Christmas cards that feel really Christmassy. So, mm-hmm. you know, of course, I I always love them getting dressed up and having a ball gown on, but I like the warm colors. I yeah. like if there's like the Christmas tree in the background or candles or something that feels just warm and cozy. Like I think back to the Wales's Christmas card that year where it was a photo from another time in the year, but they had on sweaters and, and boots and it was more casual, but it still had a Christmas feel. Yeah. And so that's, I, I think those are my favorite. Yeah. That's a good point because if, if, you know, I don't really care what you're wearing necessarily, but like the whales is there's nothing that screams Christmas to me in that photo, nothing. And, you know, you could be in those outfits in front of this backdrop that Monaco has. And I would love it. Cause like you said, it's about, it's a Christmas card, you know, it's a holiday card. So make, make it as such. So yeah, I, I do love this card. The color scheme is beautiful and this might actually be my favorite Christmas card of the year. I think this might take it like oh yeah, as far too. as Royals go anyway, but yeah, I think this might take the cake. Well, let's move into Sweden. So Princess Sophia of Sweden. We haven't talked about her in a while. She's beautiful, glamorous, Carl Phillips' wife. One of my favorite royals from a fashion perspective. We got a glam fashion moment from the Swedish royal family I do want to talk about. And first off, the Swedish royal family mingled with Nobel laureates at a dinner at the Royal Palace in Stockholm. Princess Sophia, again, as I just said, is married to Prince Carl Philip. Sophia's dress is the stuff of dreams for me, especially this color, which I think is so perfect for the holiday season. Jessica, I snuck a photo in here if you scroll down. So this is a red off the shoulder ball gown in a deep scarlet color. Sophia is wearing the palmette tiara here. So I'm almost a hundred percent sure you, Jessica, have mentioned this tiara on the show before, but she received this tiara as a wedding present from her in-laws, King Carl Gustav and Queen Sylvia on her wedding day in 2015. On that day, she wore it with emeralds. So the court jeweler, who listeners you are probably all aware of, but is someone I am obsessed with, says Queen Sylvia had the tiara made from a necklace she received from a Thai princess. And what sets it apart is different stones can be swapped out at the top of the diamond palmettes. Have you talked about this tiara before? We did a deep dive on this yeah, we uh, did. a few yeah. episodes back. 
well, that wasn't that was a little bit more than a few episodes back. But yes, we've I know we've talked about it like within the past few months. So Sophia has worn pearls, turquoise, light blue gems over the years. But as great of an accessory as the palmette tiara is, the best accessory is Prince Carl Philip. I don't think anyone would disagree. <laughs> which he's standing right next to her in this photo. So look at that dress though. Like, is that dress just not the most beautiful color? It is. It's a rich. What is that? Like a crimson red? Like a scarlet. I would call that a scarlet. scarlet. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's, it has almost like a shiny look. And it's yeah, just, it's, it looks like satin. We, you know, I, I've been seeing red. It's just having a moment in fashion this year, right? now. Anyway. And I mean, I have always said bright reds don't necessarily compliment me all that well, but I mean, they are having a moment and I've been seeing a lot of it and it is really beautiful. That dress you know, we talk about like, what dresses would we wear? That dress is my dress. I must somehow find a way in my life to wear that dress. That is a beautiful dress. The only thing that maybe is missing and maybe she, you know, didn't do this because she's wearing the tiara is wouldn't a great necklace just look so good right there. Um, okay. See, I don't think she needs a necklace, but I tend to not like to over accessorize anyway. I think she's got that sash and she's got several like, yeah, the sash might be in the way. And so I feel like, I don't know. I kind of like it without a necklace. No, I like, she's fine the way she is, but if she, if she were not Royal, for example, and was wearing that dress and did not have a tiara or a sash on, I'd be like, get you some diamonds on that neck. That would be gorgeous. That And I love the off the shoulder too. I love this dress. I don't even know who it's by. It's I'm obsessed with this color and the material. Anyway, I digress. And there's Carl Phillip making everything better. So Merry Christmas to Sophia. You have a beautiful dress and a beautiful husband. So moving would on. Would you like the dress as much if Carl Phillip wasn't in the picture? Yes. Oh yeah. Carl, <laughs> Carl Philip is actually distracting me from the dress. I wish he was not in the picture. I just want to look at the dress like more close up so he can, he can leave the picture and I would just like to examine the dress. Yes. I would <laughs> still love the dress, but he makes, you know, I mean, you can't complain when you're looking at Carl Philip. So. Well, let's hop over to Luxembourg. So we have good news out of Luxembourg. We have a future baby announcement. Yes, this is exciting. The Grand Duke and Grand Duchess of Luxembourg announced this week that Princess Alexandra and her husband Nicholas Bagri are expecting a baby. So congratulations to the couple. And we'll keep watching. We'll look out when we get closer to the birth, you know, for announcements. And, and you know, we'll share that once we hear more. But what a fun little Christmas surprise. Yeah. And we, I feel like we just, I mean, not that recently, but I remember us reporting on their wedding. So that's really exciting for them. Yeah. Yeah. They were married, I think earlier this year. Yeah. I, I think that's right. It wasn't that long ago. All right. Well, I'm going to close out today's Royals around the world with a really quick Christmas activity roundup with some of our favorite Royals that I pulled together last minute that I thought was really fun. and wanted to share. So First up, we know King Charles of the UK will have his Christmas Day speech, but other royals do this as well. And we have heard currently that King Willem Alexander of the Netherlands has scheduled his Christmas Day speech to broadcast at 1 p.m. local time on Christmas Day. So there's your first update. Second update the Swedish royal family actually released a fun video for Christmas that had me smiling the whole time I watched it. I don't know if you saw this, Rachel. I haven't seen it yet. So Crown Princess Victoria, Prince Daniel, 
Princess Estelle and Prince Oscar are in the video. And in the video, they arrive at the breakfast room at the palace, which, by the way, you have to watch this video just to see how stunning that this palace, palace is. That palace is beautiful. Yeah. I mean, it's gorgeous. So mm-hmm. when they arrive, they are greeted and they're given supplies to make Christmas decorations. And you can see them in the video. They've got a hot glue gun. They've got ribbons. And they make this cute wreath out of dried orange slices. And they put a small all little Swedish flag on the Christmas tree. And then in the video, they're all standing together and it ends with them saying, we wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. So it's only like the, the version I saw was like a minute and a half. It's not a very long video, but it's really sweet. I'll have to find that. That sounds fun. Another update out of Denmark. So on January 1st, Queen Margrethe of Denmark will host a reception for the government where she will serve a special wine called Rosenborg wine. Mm. And this wine originally came from Germany, but it's stored at Rosenborg Castle in Denmark. And for a long time, it was kept in wooden barrels But it's been there for so long that the barrels are becoming really old and they're not able to hold the wine anymore. So they recently transferred the wine to these big steel tanks. And it's been there for several years. And over the years, they have mixed other wines in with it. But the queen brings it out every year on New Year's Day. And I think she also brings it out for other rare special occasions. But according to the Rosenborg website, At the current rate of annual consumption of this wine, it is expected to last for a minimum of another 300 years. Wow. (laughs) The fun fact. That's so So, interesting. For the next 300 New Year's days, I think they're (laughs) going to continue to serve this wine. My God. Well, we'll be long, long, long gone. They'll still be drinking it. (laughs) All right. And lastly, this one I really love. So we have been getting a series of short videos on Instagram from the Danish royal family that are like a video advent calendar. Have you seen these, Rachel? I have not. I So you know that I'm not really, I'm still kind of on my social media detox. So I'm not seeing all this good stuff. I need to break that and see all these fun videos. Well, when you were talking about, you know, how much they reveal and, and show of different moments of the families, um, the royal families. This is, you know, an example of something that I feel like we get a glimpse inside, you know, a palace, but it's controlled too, you know, but it's still really fun and kind of yeah. shows us what they're up to. But they are releasing little videos leading up to Christmas and they are calling it Christmas Behind the Castle Windows. So it is really cute. They started on December 1st with Prince Vincent in the palace kitchen with the royal chef and he is helping him make Christmas treats. So you can see the prince, he's shredding apples, he's cutting little vanilla pods, he's mixing batter and sprinkling powdered sugar and they make this uh, dessert together. And then we also got a video of Crown Prince Frederick, Crown Princess Mary, and their children all decorating the Christmas tree together. And you know I love their dog made an appearance in the video. You can hear him barking. And I thought this was really cool. They actually put real candles on the Christmas tree, which I thought that's pretty risky in a big fancy castle. (laughs) (laughs) But in the video, I will say they didn't actually light the candles. They were just on the branches. They were really pretty. 
Um, we did also get a video another day of the queen and she was lighting some big red pillar candles for the first Sunday of Advent. So lots of stuff over there on that Royal family's Instagram page. If you want to go watch their little video Advent calendar, it's really cool. That's a great idea. Honestly, the, the British Royal family should do an Advent calendar next year. Like, yeah, I love take it. Notes, take notes, take notes. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating all the must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, well, we are going to close up with our, not just close up the episode, but close up the year. Like, my God, what a year. Like, personally, professionally, all of the ways. Um, 2023 is almost over. We're seeing it out. And we're going to close this episode with our top 10 royal moments of 2023. It wouldn't be us if we didn't close the year with that. And there certainly has been a lot to choose from this year. So I'm going to hop over to my secret Google doc that you can't see because we have not compared notes on this and I'm interested to hear what yours are. So we do these listeners. We do, if you, if this is for whatever reason, your first, I think this is our fourth time we've done this, which is wild. But, um, if you haven't listened to us before we go back and forth and we, Jessica and I decided offline before we started recording, we're not going to go like deep into these moments, like the coronation, you know what that is, you know why that's on our list. So we're just going to kind of popcorn it and keep it relatively Spoiler alert. <laughs> well, come on. Like how is the coronation not going to be on our top 10 list? Right. And so like, it's it happened, like it hasn't happened in 70 years. So, but yeah. Okay. So spoiler alert, but so we're and let me just say, we're, yeah, we're going to do kind of a quick rapid fire on these, but um, we, we take turns going back and forth. And right. also this is something that I want to throw out there that we also remind listeners every year. These are the most memorable moments for us that stick out in my, our mind, it may not be everybody's most memorable moment. And it also doesn't have to be necessarily a positive uh, thing that not. happened. Sometimes it's just not. something that is impactful and that we remember, even if it's maybe not our favorite moment of the year. It may be our least favorite thing of the year, but it's something that kind of stuck out in our mind that that happened this year. Yeah, like I think my number one last year was Queen Elizabeth's death. Obviously, that's not a positive, but it's it was certainly the most memorable thing that happened last year. So yeah, good, good call out. It doesn't have to be positive. These are our personal opinions. And, you know, hey, we'd love to hear what your top 10 lists are. And we can tell, we'll tell you at the end of the episode how to get in touch with us. But okay, so let's, let's start with, as we do 10 and work our way down to one. How about that? And then do you, do you want to go first? I will. And I, I will go ahead and say some of mine, I think are a little bit unconventional to what we normally do and maybe a little funny. Okay. Um, so I thought I'd do something a little different this year, but all right. Good. My number 10, I'm positive. You don't have this on your list okay. is Royal PDA. 
I don't have that on my list. So interesting. I think this year we saw a change. Um, We know kind of traditionally our Royals don't show a lot of PDA, but if you'll remember at the BAFTAs, Kate had that butt grab moment with Prince William where she kind of pinched his cheek. And then we had the Royal, uh, the state visit recently where they're at Buckingham Palace and you see them both kind of brush. They kind of hold hands for a second and have their arms around each other. Um, when they didn't realize the camera was on them. And then we also had in Norway at Prince, Crown Prince Hakan and Princess Matt Merritt's joint birthday party, they had a little bit of a passionate kiss together at yeah. that party. So um, I just thought we had a lot more PDA moments than we normally do this year. Well, I agree. And that did not make it to my list, but I'm glad that it's in there because that's, it's true. We have had, I mean, hey, <laughs> if you're in love with your person show show it whether you're prince and princess of wales or what okay my number 10 is um one of an example of well it's kind of a mixed bag it's like half good half bad so my number 10 is about fergie two things about fergie number one that she was diagnosed with breast cancer this year um and she's doing well so that is great news and then the second part of that about Fergie is tea talks, which I mentioned before that is her podcast. I loved that. It brought me a lot of joy when I listened to it. And so that is my number 10 kind of, again, kind of a mixed bag of positive and negative, but those two news items about Fergie are my number 10. Well, I didn't have that on my list, but I bet you have my number nine on your list. Okay. All right. Number nine for me is Prince Edward receives the Duke of Edinburgh. That's my number nine. Yes. Duke and Duchess of Edinburgh. Great minds. Yes. Well, you know, this is something that we talked about and we had hoped for. And I think we all agreed it was well-deserved. So I had to put it on the list. And just in case you didn't hear what Jessica said, because I totally cut her off. It is the Duke and Duchess of Edinburgh. So Prince Edward and Sophie receiving those titles this year that and again agreed that's me trying to say again and agree at the same time much deserved so that is also my number nine that's I that's weird because like we rarely ever get the exact same number like it might be on the list but anyway okay what's your number eight is it oh yeah okay so it's my turn I already did my number nine all right so my number eight is all of the new Slash old Tierra debuts this year. Oh, that didn't so, make you cut for me. So that's good. That's a good we one. had some gorgeous Tierras. If you remember, we saw Camilla for the first time in the Girls of Great Britain and Ireland Tierra. We had Kate in the Strathmore Rose Tierra for the first time. Um, we also, again, we did that deep dive on Sophia with the interchangeable stone wedding tiara mm-hmm. and then, um, you know, Kate's beautiful floral headpiece at the coronation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just think, I think we just had a lot of great tiara moments this year. That's good. I'm glad you have that on your list. Cause it didn't make mine. So my number eight is Ernest Brooks bank and his birth. Whenever there's a Royal baby born, we have to include that on the list. He was born, I believe May 30th. So he is my number eight. Um, okay, so my next one is the Golden Jubilee of King Carl Gustav of Sweden. Oh, we're doing royals around the world. Okay, I'm glad you're including this. I only did British royal family stuff. No, that's yeah, I had it. I, I have, had to I include. Mm-hmm. Had to include a few that stuck out to me, and this one just like popped into my head, and I have not been able to forget that gold coach boat that floated <laughs> down the river. <laughs> the coach boat. So- yeah, it was so cool to see a different, you know, a jubilee from another royal family. So that that one made my list. Okay, well, that's also good. I actually do have, I think, one royals around the world on here. But my, okay, wait, how do we get messed up? 
that was your, was that your number eight? Or your that number was seven? my number seven. Got it. Okay. Back with you now. So, okay. My number seven is what I'm loosely calling style revolutions. So the pantsuit thing with Kate, that's of note to me. Beatrice and her style revolution. It really seems whether we like the fashion or not, that the members of the royal British royal family in particular are really fashion forward. They're really paying attention to fashion. They're taking risks. They're being edgier. And so I'm into it. So number seven for me is style revolutions. Well, that that sort of same thing was my actually my number three. Um, I called it princess of pantsuits, but yeah. it was it was both just. I feel like we reported so much this year on, to your point, the style evolution. And we talked so much about Catherine's pantsuit moments, but also we talked about Princess uh, Beatrice's glow up this year and all of the great fashion moments she had as well. So I'm going to go ahead and we worded it differently, but it's the same thing. So I'm going to go ahead and say that, you know, that's, so that's your number that three. That was my number three. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So your number six. So my number six is the Jordanian Royal Wedding. That's my number, what? This has never happened once, let alone twice on our top 10 list. That is my number six as well. The Jordanian Royal Wedding. We had a lot of great royals around the world together in one moment and a lot of great fashion from that event. Yes, it was great. It was definitely the Royal Wedding of the year. And I can't wait for the next one. I don't, I don't really know where it's going to be, but surely we will have a wedding somewhere. So yes, my number six is the Jordanian Royal Wedding as well. So what is your number five? All right. So this one you sort of kind of mentioned, but it's a little bit different. Um, it's not specifically Fergie, but mine is Royal Podcast Moments. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, we, yeah, you said we had tea time with, with Fer tea talks with Fergie we also had Princess Eugenie on the Table Manners podcast and White Wine Question Time. Yep. We had Prince William, Princess Catherine, and Princess Anne on The Good, The Bad, and The Rugby, which was really cool. We also have Eugenie on Floodlights. And like you just said, Camilla's about to come out with a podcast. So we had a huge year of podcasts with the Royal. Mm -hmm. I did not have that on my list. So I'm glad you included that. So my number five is just the various visits that have happened this year. So Germany, the King and Queen, France, the King and Queen, Poland, mm -hmm. Singapore, Kenya, um, whether the visits are the British Royal family going somewhere or receiving someone, I'm into it because, you know, I'll never take them for granted, the visits for granted, because there were a couple years where the Royals were grounded and not traveling because of the pandemic. So I love to see the Royals traveling. I have a feeling that I'm hearing buzz about Australia in 2024. I need Kate and William to take a trip in 2024 because they did not really together this year. Um, mm -hmm. the la their last major tour was the Caribbean in the spring of 2022. I need them to take a family of five tour and bring Louis because Louis still not gone on tour and George and Charlotte have. So number five is my just basically blanket statement visits, whether receiving or going to all to countries around the world. All right. Well, my next one, I think it's, we're at number four now is Prince Christian of Denmark's 18th birthday celebration. That's a good one so, to have on there. 
and specifically the Cinderella shoe moment. <laughs> oh God, that was the, that was an adorable story. That was one of my favorite stories this year. Also, I had to all put the that... royals turning eighteen, like all the royals around the world turning eighteen this year. I know, and I had to put that on the list because the Cinderella shoe moment was great and and so memorable. But also another memorable moment from that was seeing that photo of all the future monarchs together. Yeah, that yeah, really, yeah. That was really great too. That was great. Well, my number four is both Shaping Us, the launch of that, and Homeward. So Shaping Us is Kate's campaign. Homeward is William's campaign. Shaping Us is about early childhood development. That's the work of Kate's life. Homeward is about homelessness, eradicating homelessness. That's the work of William's life. And so in this year alone, both William and Kate launched passion projects that are that are truly going to probably end up being the work of their life. So I love it when it takes sometimes in life, it takes a long time to get to the point where you're doing the work you're meant to do. And it, they mm-hmm. and Kate are there. So that is my number four. Well, I'm happy that you shared that and, and that you put them both together as well. And that one was not on my list. And that's one thing that I love when we do this is we have a little bit of overlap, but it's a great way for us to share more than 10 things that are memorable from this year. Right. And obviously listeners, if you can't tell, we have not consulted each other on this. So um, it's a surprise to both of us, what we, what each of us has on our list. All right. I think, I think I'm down. You already mentioned your number three. Okay. So I'll say mine. Um, my number three is the Invictus games. And along with that lumped in with that is heart of Invictus, the Netflix docuseries from Prince Harry. So I loved having the Invictus games this year. It was so much fun to watch Megan's fashion. It was so much fun to see Harry and his passion work. And I just loved every minute of it. And so we're not going to get an Invictus games in 2024. We have to wait until 2025 when the games go to Canada. So I'm soaking it up and just, you know, Harry and Megan look so happy in, in, in that week. And it was also Harry's birthday that week. So it was just a really good week. And so that is my number three. Yeah. We had a lot of content from that event. Yeah, it was fun. All right, Rachel. My number two I think is we're going to have the same one. I think we're going to have the same number one. And I think we're going to have the same number two. I, was I, can, tell by, I can tell by the tone in your voice. What, what number I was going to say, this isn't a great, this is not a great one, but, and, and I paired two together, actually um, the, you know, it, it's spare, um, yeah, me but too. It's also in game kind of coupled with that. And, no, and I didn't put a lot of, on it, but uh, well, and I think, I think, I think, I put that in there because it's a little bit more recent and there, you know, there was a lot of news around that, but it's, it's spare. Ultimately we had a lot of, a lot of discussion on that. And we had a lot of people tune in for that podcast episode as well. Yeah. Spare is my number two as well. It is, I think prior to Britney Spears releasing, releasing her memoir in October, the, and it might still be, I don't know. I don't have numbers in front of me, but um, certainly one of the, if not the highest selling memoir an autobiography of all time like it or love it it was a huge cultural turning point that happened 10 days into 2023 and so it's definitely a cultural juggernaut so that is my number two and I know we're going to have the same number one I mean there's no there's nothing that could be number one other than this so you go ahead and we say it together we've already spoiled yeah okay let's do it one two three coronation coronation (laughs) (laughs) so yeah I mean they're just like how could we pick anything else it's the first coronation in 70 years um prayerfully it will be the last coronation for what 20 years something like that so gotta put it in there 
Well, that was fun. That's fun. That's the fastest we've ever done it too. And we've never, we've never tied. I don't think ever. And we certainly haven't tied twice. So well, actually we tied four times at the end of it. So we did. We're as, as you know, as our friendship deepens over the many years, we just continue to get closer and closer and apparently are morphing into the same person. So there you go. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Rachel. Well, I, as always love doing that with you every year. And it's another, another year of so many memories that we've reported on. And, um, I can't believe we are, we're done with our last episode of 2023. That's crazy. That's crazy. And, you know, may we have a great year in 2024, both with the Royal family and all of us personally. Absolutely. Well, it has been quite a year, as we said at the top of the episode. Don't forget to watch Catherine's Carol concert on Christmas Eve and the King's Speech on Christmas Day. And of course, we will be back for the January 3rd episode, and we can't wait to talk to you then. Please, please, please have a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to all of our listeners. And as always, come hang out with us on Instagram at Podcast Royal. If you have any questions or thoughts to share, you can DM us on Instagram or you can send us an email at hellopodcastroyal at gmail.com. And thank you so much for tuning in to episode 119 of Podcast Royal. Bye. Bye and send us your top 10 lists.